What's going on here in Cartagena, Colombia with the Caribbean Sea behind me? Uh, excited to take you on a journey with another special edition of the Circle Up podcast. This episode features two men of the Brotherhood. And for those of you that don't know what the Brotherhood is, it actually is extremely important in the history and journey of Circle Up because um, when, when I kicked off Circle Up in February of 2020, it was just a small idea. I had no idea what I was doing. It was a community project for um, a leadership seminar that I was taking and it was supposed to just be um, something small, intimate for my friend group where we could talk about men's mental health. And the Brotherhood, which are men who have graduated their Sterling Men's Weekend, is a, a large community in the Ontario region, but there's men all across the world that have done their weekend. They said, love the idea because the whole world's on Zoom now, we can actually host men's circles for men over Zoom. And so, um, you cannot take out the brotherhood from circle up the brotherhood is the legs it is the juice it is the lifeblood and the two men that are recording this podcast are instrumental in the growth of the brotherhood and the leadership of the brotherhood and inspiring men of ontario to step into the best versions of themselves and to give back to community and that's why i'm inspired by this conversation because that's exactly what they did uh, both these men are positive role models have incredible careers um two both of them i didn't know this two both of them have been in their marriages for over two decades watts in particular 26 years i'm 26 years old man you got married the same year i was born so uh just inspiring men to aspire towards how they live their life. And they address incredibly important and poignant questions around masculinity in this conversation. So I, I encourage you to be as engaged as possible and follow along. They uh, answer questions around addiction and commitment. And some of the biggest ones that come up in this men's circle, which is what are the benefits of being in a men's circle? And they answer that for themselves. And they answer questions like, if a man's really struggling in their life, can they get something from this? And the answer is yes. And if a man feels like he has everything figured out, is there anything he can get from this? And the answer is yes. And so I encourage you to take a, a, a dive into the way they look at the world and see and ask yourself introspectively, is there anything about what they're saying, whether I agree with it or not, is there anything about what they're saying that can reveal something about me, how I'm living my life, the man that I wanna become, if you take that time for introspection. I really feel like this podcast does an excellent job of being engaging. They've got an incredible dynamic. I didn't know this, they're brothers-in-law, so you will see that playful, uh, engaging, hilarious nature in this podcast. I'm excited for you to listen, and I wanna say um, to, to Watson, to Digby, Thanks for doing this. Thanks for showing up as strong role models for me and the men of the brotherhood. And, and, and that is rippling out into communities across the world. So thanks for what you're doing. Uh, thanks for doing this podcast. And to the listeners, enjoy this engaging conversation about men's circles and about masculinity with two of my brothers, Watson and Digby. All right, camera's rolling. So, uh, Watson here, and... I'm Digby, good day. And a uh, big shout out to Andrews who put this whole thing together. We're 
basically doing a podcast and talking about Circle Up and talking about the men's work. So we've uh, got a series of random questions that we have created, and we're going to pull them out of this little pot and answer them one by one. But first of all, Watson. Yep. Who the hell are you? What do you do? I am... What am I? I'm, 50, I'm turning 57 this year. I've been married for 25 years. I've been an actor for a big chunk of my life uh, from my sort of early 20s. Uh, I've always done acting. I've always done teaching. And over the past 10 years or so, it's been more about teaching. I've been raising a young family, so more energy put into that kind of thing. And so I'm currently a high school teacher at a school for the performing arts in Kitchener. Very fine. How about yourself? I am a physician. I work at the hospital here in Guelph. I'm a dad, got kids 21 and 18, and happily married to Watson's sister. So uh, we're we are brothers, brothers-in-law, in law, and we are both uh, vaccinated, which is why we're sitting here without masks. That explains. We both were lucky enough to get our thing. So we're going to draw. Yeah, question go for it. number one. Random question. How has your outlook on life changed since joining a men's team? Why don't you go for this first yourself? Go for it. So, joining a men's team has given me a wide perspective on how I only live within my little world and how many other worlds there are out there. So being part of the men's team has shown me all these other different experiences which has really widened my view of the challenges people face and the opportunities that are out there. So when we meet as a team and we get really honest and open about what's going on in our lives, it is amazing what can be revealed and what uh, you learn about the world by being part of an organization that is sharing and honest. Yeah, cool. Um, I would say for myself, uh, my outlook on life since doing the men's weekend and getting into the men's work, uh, it's really leaning into the idea, a lot of what we're about is just saying fuck it, that uh, dithering back and forth between two ideas, yeah, but I could do this, and I need to think about it further, that there's really, there's so much power in just going, okay, I've looked at it from a couple sides, boom, got to do it, and being decisive and being in action and being okay with that and then dealing with the outcome. Like nine times out of 10, the outcome is gonna be way, way better. And then I'm not only being more effective in my life, but I'm actually sitting in my power. And some of the best moments that I've had, I was just making snap decisions and mm. it mm. all just worked. It's getting out, we talk about the monkeys, shutting up the monkeys who are constantly questioning, constantly going, yeah, but what about this, what about that? And just going, shut up and just get on with it. So I think that's the big change in my outlook. And and being on a team, organizing the business of the team, planning and creating allows us to make mistakes and do stupid things without serious consequences. And yeah. then we learn from that and we take that into our, into our regular lives. So from leadership on a men's team, I have learned how to uh, have difficult conversations about mm. how to uh, make people clean up shit that they didn't want to clean up, how to deal with um, uh, hiring and firing people in a mm -hmm. way that I 
would not have done previously. So, it's yeah, been... I call it a sandbox in some ways. Like it's an opportunity. It's a place where you can try out stuff, where it doesn't have the implications of you getting fired or uh, someone, you know, losing five hundred thousand dollars in a deal or whatever. You can try stuff out and go, okay, well, what did I, what did I learn from that, and then apply it to your your real life. You know, so we're gonna get the next question. Uh, discuss your relationship with your father. What did you learn from him? Wow, this is a great fucking question for the two of us because my father just passed uh, last January, this recent January, so a couple months ago. And your dad? My dad died a year before. Well, yeah, almost identical. Yeah. 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 I think my dad passed on Jan January 12th of 2021, and yours yeah. was January 31st. Both wow. in their uh, in their late 80s. Late 80s. So my dad was 86. Um, my dad, I was really fortunate and I, yeah, I mean, he was an amazing man. He, he knew at age seven that he wanted to be a doctor. He was a bit of a crazy Irishman. He grew up really well loved in spite of the fact that he lost his dad in a tragic accident when he was five years old. Uh, he had a good education. He did the most with that. He married a woman, my mother, who he was still married to right up until he died. She was holding his hand as he took his last breath. Hmm. Um, he just considered himself so blessed. And the main thing that I really got from him that I really value is that he didn't hold back what he thought. Uh, in the best and the worst sense, there were some times near the end where, uh, because he had some dementia, he would say some stuff that might have been considered socially awkward. But he would kind of still do that even when he had all of his marbles. He would push the limit. And he always got away with it because it was always done with love and with a sense of humor. And what was great for us as kids is we always knew how well loved we were. And I could be that way with him. So when he did pass, I, th I have it that a lot of the residue, a lot of heavy grieving comes from a place where you haven't, you're not complete. You know, where you're like, mm, I wish, I'd always wished I'd heard that thing from my dad that I never got to hear. Or I wish I'd had the opportunity to tell him I should have taken the opportunity I didn't. That was never a thing for us. I always knew that he loved and really and respected me, which was great. And I clearly had a lot of love and respect for him. And I knew that he trusted me, and I, I clearly trusted him. He was just a solid, awesome man. And with all the classic foibles and faults, I actually think he would have really, really benefited from. Time out. Yeah. That's a lot of story. It's a lot of story. <laughs> it's not answering the question. It's not. Discuss your relationship with your father. What did you learn what from him? What did you learn from him? Yeah, I was discussing the relationship with my father. Were... I was. <laughs> I think it's an important part of it. Apparently Digby wants, wants me to stop, and, he, and I'm not truthing very quickly there. And I'm like, I'll carry on. And then he can tell whatever story he wants to tell. So, um, yeah, I think he, it was really powerful. I think he could have, he would have really benefited from the men's work. He left his men behind in Ireland, and then he went to Australia, and then he came here, and he never quite managed to regain that level of love and trust that really that we're all about and that he naturally had with the men that he grew up with there you go go for it nicely um my father and i had a distant relationship for many years which i think is maybe a common experience for a lot of men and it took me until my late 40s before i got to know my father and it, my relationship with my father became much stronger since I got involved with men's work, first of all, and when he got his terminal diagnosis. 
Um, it became really important to me about the role of my father's legacy in creating my life and how my legacy was going to be passed on to the, to the future as well. Um, what I learned from my father was the importance of hard work, of being truthful, being consistent. I learned how not to manage your finances. Um, I would say I am a better financial manager than my father. And I also am learning more about fun. Now that my dad's gone, I am learning how fun my dad was. Mm. And how uh, in his uh, quirky way, he really enjoyed life and he was energized and a big generous host. And He had uh, a very wry sense of humor, didn't he? He, he had a very, very kind of good like, sense of humor. Yeah. And, um, uh, and now that he's gone, I'm appreciating that mm. more. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Cool. Pull one out. What does it mean for you to be a good man? Hmm. You take that one first. Being a good man, for me, I think the, the biggest thing that stands out is being true to your word, having a vision of what you want to create, and acting on it. Being a member of society, committing to your community, and being honorable mm -hmm. and there's many ways that can look there's many different communities that we exist within uh, in our workplaces it might mean different things but uh, to know your values to be consistent with them to uh, focus on the next generation to clean up your messes after you um, and uh, be, be tolerant and generous and create the future uh, mm -hmm. with everything you're doing each day. Cool. What about you? Right on. I think for me, what's, re what's ringing true for me is when I'm really sitting in a state where I feel like a good man, it's when I feel like I have a generous heart. I feel just this overwhelming sense of love and like everything is good in the world. And I feel generous and I want to share that with other people. So then that just naturally has me showing up with integrity with my word, thinking about other people, wanting to, to do right by people. Um, so allowing my heart to lead, which is an interesting thing for me because I can lead with the head pretty easily. Um, Next question. All right. How have you benefited from being on a men's team? Oh, yeah. Well, I had the benefit with ours we didn't have what's called the uh, the point program we went straight onto a team after our weekend and it was yeah it was giddy up like jump straight jump straight in so i didn't i didn't know what i didn't know uh a whole bunch of ways that i've benefited from being on a men's team just being in a circle of trust being in a place where i can really say what it is i need to say where i can clear stuff where i can say stuff without there being judgment or being having it have horrible ramifications later on I know that it's a trusted container mm -hmm. and with that then having the ability to then try stuff on uh, where I probably made the biggest growth is taking on leadership roles and then seeing how I show up as a leader and going oh, there's some learning to happen there and then seeing it 
work in my life as well. So, hmm. yeah, I didn't, um, I didn't have a lot of relationships with men before joining a men's team. I, I knew a lot of men, and I was on all sorts of committees and in workplace things with men, but my social relationships were mostly with women, interestingly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it was a leap for me. Um, and it was, uh, it was sort of, um, it was a bit scary actually getting involved with men's work and men's teams because it was so unusual. Especially and interesting because you went to an all boys school. Yeah, went to an all boys school years ago and rejected it. And mm. um, so getting, getting back in a, into relationship with men showed me how much fun men can be, how interesting and uh, quirky and artistic and skilled and um, just how varied all these all these men are and I learned so much about myself from interacting with them and it's uh, the, the one of the most important parts of being on a team is having fun mm. and not being so serious all the time and you say uh, are you saying you were a little more serious I before? I could say maybe I was yeah. a little more yeah. serious before. And uh, we had to watch. I, I remember my mum would say, "Hey, you have to watch the dirty jokes around Ian." I, th I don't think he really appreciates them very much. My mum sounds like the queen, um, <laughs> and that was—I don't know if it was true, but that was certainly the perception. Is like tone it down a little bit. That was my mask. That, that was, was yeah, interesting. So it's uh, which and it's hilarious because he's he he opted to join in with a family that is very free with four letter <laughs> words and potty humor and sexual humor and and and. So on some level, you invited that into your life. I, I guess in. there you go. Um, Andrews wanted us to ask a question. Okay. About what is the value of circle up? Ah, in circle the up. men's work. Circle up is a special thing that's relatively new. It used to. <laughs> It used to always be that, you know, a man who wanted to introduce another man to the men's work, uh, you would invite him to take part in the men's weekend down in the States, and that was kind of the initiation ritual. I call it a, um, a uh, like a magic carpet ride, and in Digby, I think you'd said, it was like you've never seen anything that's got that level of quick change in amazing, such a short space of time. Amazing experience. But because of COVID, it's now been off the cards for uh, for three cycles for like 18 months. So we're looking for something. How can we reach out to men and keep involving them in the work uh, in some way? And so ingenious idea. We took sort of like the, um, the point program and sort of like an online meeting and circle up is is that where there's an opportunity for men who haven't done the weekend to come together in an online environment and do the men's work or do a, a version of it anyway. I've um, had some great interactions with Circle Up, seeing how the men who join it really come to understand themselves better, get clear on some challenging issues in their lives, um, just starting to put their toe into what it's like to be in a relationship with other men, to doing uh, things differently than they're used to. I've had um, three men that, that I've supported to get on the Circle Up teams come back to me and just be so happy with the outcomes mm. and really um, thriving in mm. a different way after participating on these teams. So uh, kudos to all those men who are leading Circle Up oh, yeah. and uh, creating the teams and supporting it because I think it's, it's having a tremendous impact on, um, on many. Yeah, and the, I think one of the things that's one of the things that's great about it is that the 
the bar for entry is lower, which is great. There's no crossing the border. There's no, you know, uh, price for the weekend and so on that you can come in. And there's men literally donating their time. Uh, so it's the price of getting on your laptop and your time, you know, yeah. which is great. And it's great. Uh, great point of entry and then ultimately getting into the men's work which is great we actually have a man on our team now who graduated from circle up and then is now part of our team and the understanding nice. is when we have the option when he has the option to do the weekend that he will do that excellent next question huh if you died today mm. what would you want people to say at your funeral cool why don't you take that one first oh i since my Dad got sick a couple of years ago and ultimately passed. I have thought a lot about legacy and about who I am now. And, well, it's unlikely. We are in the middle of a pandemic and people are dying all the time. And terrible things happen to people unexpectedly. Um, I would want people to say that I was true to my word that I contributed, that I was an honorable spouse, that I was a rock-solid father, that I created a legacy in my work, in my personal contributions, and that I helped create community around me. That's, that's what I would like. And it's interesting, when you start to think about what your funeral would look like and what would happen there. There's all sorts of things that I'm missing right now. I don't have music in my life right now. I used to be very musical and it's not part of my life. I used to be involved. You were with, on the canoe trip. I used to be involved with uh, team sports, but that's not part of my life right now. Um, and so are there other things that are sort of in my blind spot that I'm not, I can start to work on? Yeah. It's interesting, this question is very timely because we had a, a meeting last night and it, the part of this theme came up. Um, first thing I wanted to say about it is that I, I actually feel in a lot of ways really complete in my life. I've said this to my kids and I've said it to to my wife Jane, you know, if I died tomorrow, you know, I I would feel, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go, oh my God, I didn't get to do all these great things that I wanted to do. Are there things on my bucket list? Sure, I'd love to go to Machu Picchu, I'd like to be on a yacht that's 100% completely self-powered and self-sustaining and go across the Atlantic. Like, there's some cool shit to do. But I feel so blessed in my life, and I feel like I've got my eye on and have focused on the things that actually matter and, and things that I know that will have mattered to me when I'm lying on my deathbed. I'm not going to be worried about the kind of money that I made or whatever. Um, the impression I get from the men, we've, we've done lots of acknowledgments, especially with our team, that what I'm going to be remembered for is for giving a damn about other men. Mm. Um, and for really, really coming from a place of genuine care uh, that I also live in, fuck it. I'm kind of like, sure, let's try something out. Let's, let's try something new. That I'll be uh, a husband who really, really invested in the relationship and really uh, showed my love in tangible ways and that um, I was a powerful father who was both um, loving and open-hearted and at the same time held a strong container and had clear expectations for showing up as a decent human being. Hmm. 
Hmm. And I often say to kids that I'm teaching as well, I said, I basically teach the same way I am as a father, which is like, uh, I like to have a lot of fun and uh, I expect people to be decent to each other. And if that's not the case, then like, let's stop the train and let's deal with the basics hmm. before we move on. And that's kind of my thing. It's kind of sounds like we want to be remembered for the things that we honor in the men around us and yeah. in society around us. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. So, pulling out the next question, <clears throat> what does leadership mean to you? So I'll go first and then we'll go second. Sure. Um, well, it's interesting. I, I would have answered before leadership is about uh, being a great example uh, and rallying the troops and kind of going rah, 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 and let's go. Um, I don't know if I would have given that answer, but I think that, that would have been my energy. And it was kind of leading by doing. <clears throat> and what I'm clearer now about is that a lot of the stuff in the men's work is about holding a context, being really clear about the compass heading that we're going on, clear about the emotional and mental energy that you want present, and then really holding that and then using the brilliance of the men around you, enabling them to come up with the solutions and the brilliance that they naturally have, but really being a stand for that emotional and mental energy that you are trying to create, what we call context. That's been a huge shift for me because I would tend to just grab the job and do, okay, I guess I just need to do almost all of it myself and then have a couple of people kind of help me. And you can get exhausted really fast doing that. And that, that is what happens. So that was a good learning curve. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> leadership comes in many different forms and different times. Um, the, the best leadership, though, is often creating that vision of what's, what you want to create and getting the people around you to shine their best. Mm -hmm. um, I'm involved with a project right now which is just amazing how people are coming together and really giving their best to it and it uh, I'm I'm feel like a an orchestra conductor just mm -hmm. just helping them get in sequence and get to the, the end of, of the piece well and uh, really sell it to the audience and it's it's really fun. Leadership does not have to mean doing everything and um, micromanaging all of the details. It, it's it's really about having a big vision mm -hmm. and owning the whole thing, but getting the other people to shine their best as well. Yeah. Awesome. Next question. What does it look like when you commit to something? Start on. <clears throat> Commitment is uh, something that we talk about a lot in the men's teams. Uh, it's a major theme because we have to really show up when we commit to something. We have to show up really strongly and do it to the expense of other things in our lives. We have to make a choice. Um, fulfilling a commitment means doing it well, doing it properly, doing it to the expectations that you would want someone else to do it with you. And it has a cost to it. Mm. But the outcome is awesome to have um, uh, a really successful product that you've created, to 
have an excellent meeting, to have an incredible document that really sells what you're doing, to have a meaningful communication that you have a lot of fun with. And to commit is to really own it and own it within the integrity of yourself. Mm. Um, so that's what comes up for me about commitment. Cool. Um, for me, commitment, <clears throat> I think it loops back to what I was saying earlier on about shutting up the monkeys. Uh, a lot of our stuff is when you're not committed, you're like, yeah, but I could this, but should I, but I shouldn't I? I don't know, guys, what do you think? You're not committed. Uh, and then you're sitting, the monkeys are chattering at you. When you commit, there's actually a level of freedom. It's really, it's counterintuitive. You would think, oh, I've had, I've had to commit to something. Now it's like a ball and chain, you know, around my ankle. Uh, in fact, it's the opposite. There's a level of freedom that comes from going, boom, I'm committed. And now you're like, oh, okay. Then I've only got the one path to go on because I'm committed to it. What's also really clear is that you do have a choice before you commit. Like if it's something that you go, I, this was a great thing that I got at one of the trainings was the difference between an obligation and a commitment. An obligation I saw is kind of like a commitment with built-in bitchiness and whininess in it that you've already got where you get to go, well, see, that's why I didn't want to do it because like, then it's the outcome. That's an obligation and you kind of go, I'm obliged. Whereas when you commit, you go, actually, I'm not going to commit because I'm not about that. It doesn't serve my purpose and I am not going to do that. And so you don't do it. Or you go, Yes, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to commit to it. And then I may actually have to enroll myself. I may only be 50% enthusiastic about it, even though I'm committed to it. So then you actually go around and seek enrollment. You kind of, what do I need to do to get myself mm. now supercharged about this? Because I am committed. So I actually want to be into it because I don't want to be dragging my ass. So you can actually go around to other men and, and get yourself amped up so that the commitment then doesn't feel so heavy. That was... That was a huge revelation to me. Oh. And yeah. when you make a commitment, you are declaring it publicly. Mm. So you know that others are expecting it from you and others are depending on you for it. Mm -hmm. So if you don't complete it, then you're just an ass. Mm -hmm. So to complete it, get in and do it. You're not honoring your word. Yeah. Because you, know, you put your word in, yeah, in time Correct. and space. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Here we go. How is it that a men's team can actually help you get closer to the man you want to be? All right. Well, that is really one of the, the ideas of, of a men's team. And the idea is, this is what's gold about it, is it's not, you know, my version where I look at Digby and go, well, yeah, but here's some ways that you could, you know, work on yourself, buddy. He's like, you know what? I don't want to work on that. That's not the man I want to be. So he gets to determine the man he wants to be. I get to determine what that looks like. Where the team comes in is helping you get out of your day-to-day -day BS that is generally always keeping you back. The story, the stuff that holds you back from really taking action. They'll help you look in your blind spot. They'll see the things that you're not seeing that are holding you back. They'll ask probing questions if you want to have them ask probing questions. And if you're smart, you'll listen to them because they have nothing but your greatness in mind. They're not competing with you. They're not trying to run a household with you. They're not in a romantic love relationship with you. They're just gonna tell it to you straight. So where else can you possibly get that in your life? Like that's phenomenal. So you can use, you can take what they say to the bank because they're not gonna BS you. One of the best parts of being on a men's team is taking a, a challenging issue 
that you're facing in your regular life to the team for some really valuable pointed questions. Mm -hmm. And as, as you've said, Watson, it's not about other men offering their advice or directing you on how they think you should live your life, mm -hmm. but asking you what you want to do about something, how you want to show up for this particular issue, what is going to be the best way that you can present yourself and to show up things that you aren't even seeing because they're in your blind spots. So to, uh, to go through an inspection, to take a challenging topic to the team is immensely important. And it can be very small or it can be a life-influencing uh, topic that you, that you bring to the team. Um, uh, it is, I've dealt with dozens and dozens of challenging issues over the last couple of years that has completely transformed how I interact with the world. It is so powerful. To, to use this, this space for that, yeah. That was one of the things that hooked you even right in the first guest night. There was a man whose energy, you are just like, wow, I've never had questions asked in quite that way with just that clarity. Correct, yeah. And you're just like, wow, that was, yeah. Not, you're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> yeah, and here's the crazy thing is that we're not actually rein, we're not reinventing something here or coming up with something new. We're reclaiming something that we always used to do men would grow up with each other they would be in the same village together and have each other's backs for their entire lives and they would die you know within a few years of each other and they would be able they would be willing to ask those difficult questions they would have each other's back and we seem to have lost that somewhere along the way so we're really reclaiming that and the the subtle shift is there's an intent to it mm -hmm. you show up at your men's team ready to express something that's important to you and and reveal it and be tested on mm -hmm. it and the other men show up ready to test you and bump into you and 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 ask challenging questions and there's an openness and an honesty and an, ex an expectation that we're not just getting together to shoot the shit and talk about sports and and um, throw a football around we're getting together with the intent of shifting something in our lives. And that is uh, very unusual in our mm -hmm. society and extremely powerful. It really shifts how you show up each day. And, and I think it's important to say too for myself that there's absolutely nothing wrong with men, you know, throwing the ball around and, and shooting the shit. Cause like we all need that in our lives. You don't, you probably couldn't be like super intense with each other 24 seven. Um, but if that's all you've got, uh, that's too bad, and I think I think a lot of uh, most most men have at one time in their lives experienced something like this, and it often involves you getting back together with old friends from high school or from university. It involves lots of whiskey or beer or heavy, heavy drinking, and it's like three or four a.m. in the morning when finally you show up, when finally you're willing to, to be masked down and trust the other men and say what's actually going on in your life. We've all had little blips of that. Or, you know, you're, it's World War One, and you're in the foxhole and you're going to go over the top tomorrow and maybe you won't make it. And you all of a sudden things get really real and you say the things you need to say. What if you're in an environment where you weren't actually going to die tomorrow, but you could actually say the things you need to say? What if you didn't have to go through a half a bottle of scotch to get to the point where you were actually willing to be honest with the men around you? So we're intentional in that way. 
and you get to do it every two weeks. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Next question. Next question. What is confidentiality and how do you practice it? Um, so this is a really great question for me because I got stressed about confidentiality when I first joined my men's team. I was concerned how could I trust these men around me to keep all of these private topics confidential. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to be confidential about their stuff, how do I express what I'm learning from this to other people in my life, like my wife? Mm -hmm. And what I learned is that the, the contents of the topic are confidential. What the man tells you about uh, his challenges, about his personal issues are, are confidential. But what I learn for myself about it, I can express to others. So mm -hmm. from that meeting tonight, I learned that um, it's really important to be honest about sex with your partner. It's really important to be honest with your colleague about something that's bothering you. Um, and so I can translate things into myself mm -hmm. without revealing the other person's confidential topic. And confidentiality, holding that, that really tight circle around what you hear and what you gain from the meeting is super important so that men can express themselves openly and honestly to the circle. Yeah. If you don't have confidentiality, if there's going to be uh, men just taking your stuff out and uh, taking it to the laundry, then uh, there's, there's men will not share what's important to them in the circle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you've covered it really well. And I mean, especially I think in, in our team, there's a number of men whose wives know each other. And as one man said, you know, pillow talk can cost us a lot here, you know, because mm. the wives know each other. It's really important that, it, you know, if there's any even remote sense that there's going to be a breach of that, then a man will not go mask down. He will not say the things he needs to say. And then why are you there? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you're just, you're pulling punches at that point. You're not really going full out. Yeah. You covered it well. Nice to Yeah, man. Next question. What are some of the fears or objections that sometimes arise from men about joining a men's team? That's a good one. Um, I'll be honest. I, I'm, I'm like I'm like that really bad math teacher who's like, why don't you get it? It's really obvious. Because like for me, math was easy. So then I'm like, what's the problem? Just do it. So for me, it's kind of like, why wouldn't you want to be on a men's team? It's awesome. Like, you know, it's great. And of course you can trust men. And so I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of a bad person to ask. But I have heard a number of men's objections some men are just naturally introverted so getting to know more people is costly it it, it uses battery power for them uh they'll slowly do it over time uh there's men as you said you know you were high functioning but it, lurking in the background was a sort of a latent distrust of men there's some men for whom it really is like i've heard from men like they go to a guest night and they're really triggered like they're in a field with you know, 40 men, like that energy was just kind of like, whoa, you know. Um, there's men who are kind of like, I'm all right, Jack, you know, my life's good, you know, it's all fine. And yeah, I don't need to have like these conversations, you know, that's fine, like everything's okay. They have it that there's got to be something broken, something has to be really, their, their life, in order for a man, if you want me to do something like that, like stand around a fire and talk about my feelings and stuff, God, 
I better, my, my life better be really fucked up. Um, which is an unfortunate thing. I think it, probably you could hazard it to say that when both you and I came into the work, there were perhaps some men who would go, well, why, what, like, what do you need from it? And the point is, every man could get some. Every man can get something out of it. But mm -hmm. it's not like our lives were on the ropes and we were like, you know, this close to being in the gutter kind of thing. But yeah. there's a lot to get out of it. The, I think a, a common fear or objection about being on a men's team is a fear of men. Mm. Um, I, I think that. Uh, some men have gained the perspective that there is something odd about men meeting together, um, that uh, there's something toxic about it. There's a lot of bad press out there about toxic men's relationships. The kind of men's teams that we're working on are not that. We are about creating community, about creating healthy, responsible relationships. They're the panacea for that, like they're actually the medicine that helps prevent that. And um, I think a lot of men come in fearful that they're getting into some strange environment where they're going to need to do <clears throat> things that they're uncomfortable with. Um, you will never have to do anything you're uncomfortable with on a men's team. Um, and if you trust the men around you, you can do amazing things to stretch yourself beyond your little world that you've built around you. And you've created, um, you've created your world out of your experience. But the world of experience is much vaster than your own. So um, getting, getting comfortable with the discomfort is actually the first step. Mm -hmm. And uh, then you can commit to being open and honest with the men around you. So that's it's it's a it's a paradoxical question. Is the fears and objections are actually some of the most important things to understand and commit to overcoming? That kind of is the work. Like especially on my team, Hillsboros, where we like pushing ourselves a lot. So it's actually you know. But again, as Digby was saying, like you're ne you're never going to be in a position where you're humiliated or forced into something that you are clear, you know, is a hard no. Uh, but if you're smart, you'll use the, the environment of the team to push up against where your fears are or find where your edge is or get a, an opportunity to stretch again in an environment where you can really trust the men and where you know they've got you, you know, and that you are going to be safe. Uh, All right. I'll take one here. What could a man who appears to have his life sorted get from joining a men's team? So we kind of touched on that before. Uh, yeah, I think this is something that men might use perhaps as an excuse for themselves to go, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm all good. I don't need that stuff. or I'm not into that kind of thing. Uh, or that a, especially a man might be fearful or hold back from offering it to a friend because he kind of goes, yeah, I, I don't want to have him think that he... I think he needs something, you know. Uh, if a man's sorted, like holy shit, it's we can always shift. There's al there's always more growth, and I got really clear about this recently, especially with lockdown with COVID. There is no such thing as cruising. There is no such thing as hitting the pause button. You're either growing, or you're decaying. It's just like in a forest. A, tr a tree is either growing in the forest or it's in the middle of the decay. And there's nothing wrong with either. They just are. 
but I'm clear that in my life, I don't want to be in a state of decay. So if I think I've hit the pause button, I'm like, I'm good. I'm going to cruise here. I'm actually decaying. Mm -hmm. And I did that for part of, uh, of the COVID lockdown. And so I've made a commitment to always be looking for where can I see growth in my life? Where can I shift something? Where could I improve something and make it even better? Uh, and I really made a point. We made a point of this with my team last tour. Uh, oftentimes the inspections that Digby was talking about would be, you know, reserved more typically for a man who's really got something hot in the space, something that's not sorted. And I was just like, hey, every man on the team is going to have the opportunity, even if he thinks things are sorted, just to have a check-in. Like, let's go in for a checkup. Why wouldn't you do that with your physical body? You go in to see the doctor for a checkup. You, you know, if, ideally, you don't wait until things are actually wrong. And what's amazing is that inevitably things come up. There's still blind spots. There's still blockages. There's still things holding you back. And then all of a sudden you deal with that and you're like, wow, I, my life's even better than I thought it was before. I think if any man thinks that his life is sorted, he is <clears throat> showing a tremendous amount of arrogance. And it takes a lot of humility to say, actually, there are problems and it may look like I'm sorted and my life is going well, but it's because I've got a mask up and I've got all my defenses up to keep it looking pretty. Mm -hmm. So to take down that mask and to get honest with yourself and say, there's opportunities all around me that's an amazing step of humility mm. and also to come into a circle and offer yourselves as an example of learning and also of offering offering ideas to other men is tremendously powerful too so there is no man who cannot benefit or contribute to the circle uh, there's an amazing sharing and giving back and forth around the circle that's incredibly powerful. So if you think you're sorted, you're not. Right. Come and join us and have some fun. Do that. And uh, what I'm hearing is that you you may not be as sorted as you thought you were. And even if there are areas that are sorted, like maybe you are good at business or maybe mm -hmm. you got a great track record and a really great marriage, then there's some things you can support and help the other men yeah. in as they look to you and kind of go, Digby, how do, you know, how's that working for you? Because it looks like there's already something I can learn from you. So yeah. there's a huge gift for you to have the opportunity to share that as well. Yeah. Right yeah, man. What are addictions <clears throat> to you? How do you deal with them? Mm. So when we hear the word addictions, I think um, most men and most people in society will think about gambling, sex, um, alcohol, drugs. alcohol, drugs is the more common addictions. But there's all sorts of other addictions. We can be addicted to work. We can be addicted to the internet. Mm. We can be addicted to ways that we behave at home. Mm. Um, we can be addicted to ourselves mm. and when you start to see how other people act in their lives you can start to test yourself is this really normal behavior that i've got is the fact that i go to work at such and such a time every day is this perhaps an addiction mm. uh, am i addicted to sleep am i addicted to certain types of food so then the challenge is when you identify an addiction and you recognize it may not be serving you, it may not be 
allowing you to be the best you want to be, what are you willing to do to change that? Mm. What are you willing to do to um, to shift that in your life? Mm. So we talk about in a case like that, you're either addicted or you're committed. And we talked earlier on about commitment. So one of the ways, like to just keep going around saying to yourself, don't be addicted. Well, if that was going to work, it would have already worked before because you're aware that you don't want to be eating so much or drinking so much or smoking so much or whatever, but that you put in place a commitment, something that you are committed to that you're willing to take on on a regular basis that's then going to shift something uh, in your life. What could a man who is really struggling in his life get from joining a men's team? Uh, so yeah, mm -hmm. kind of the corollary to what if a man's got it sorted. <clears throat> um, we are not, uh, it's not psychotherapy. Um, it's not kind of a 12-step program. You know, if a man really is on the ropes, um, what will often happen is it'll come up in the discussions in the team that there's professional help to, to get, but they're not, they're not mutually exclusive. There's certainly men who are getting professional help uh, of various kinds. Uh, some men who may have a substance issue and are also doing AA or whatever. Uh, and are and are on a men's team as well. So uh, I've seen men hold a really, really powerful container. I've seen men who really were struggling and really what we call in the basement, just kind of like thrashing around and, you know, lost a job, uh, mar the marriage is bust apart, and that the men are there to just kind of go, we got you, brother, we, you know, we're here. Mm. And um, yeah, that's really what it's about what it's about so that if there's a man who's in that position he can know that he can come to a place where there's no judgment uh, but that the men will be what we call ruthlessly compassionate mm. right not just compassion in the sense of oh there there yeah isn't that terrible and wasn't that horrible you know how she treated you or yeah your boss was an asshole it's like compassion for exactly where he's at and ruthless with okay what is it about how you were showing up in your life that had those things occur because we love you enough to not want to see you constantly repeat those same patterns. We're committed to you becoming the best man that you possibly can be. Mm -hmm. What I'm getting, uh, for a man who's really struggling, what I'm seeing is that the team is a container to hold <clears throat> him. That man will feel the weight of all of these issues. There's things in multiple different parts of his world that are overwhelming and not working for them. And the only way you can start to get to those is one thing at a time. You can, uh, you can only do one successful um, big project like this at a time and the team will support you. And to come in feeling overwhelmed and all these other men are sorted in this team and so I'm obviously too, too disorganized to be part of this. It's not that way. You come in and we will help you and you will start to see that you're just like everyone else and you've got amazing things that you can give as well. You've got skills and talents that you've been suppressing for years and bring them forward and be part of the team. And it's, it's just so much fun and so much energy to see a man come out of his shell and start to shine mm. and really uh, express himself where he didn't even know he could do it before. Yeah. Sometimes it takes a few tours. A tour is basically six months. Uh, it's a chunk of time that you would commit to, to say I'm willing to commit to this team and to do the work for this six month chunk. And 
uh, for some men it might take a few a few tours before you start seeing something and then all of a sudden like a light bulb goes off and something massive shifts in their life you know mm-hmm. and I've seen it in the space of even a couple of months like a man who was really who had been doing the work kind of went on walkabout and then decided mm, I need to come back in uh, and literally within a couple of months had a new job that he wanted uh, you know was shifting things in his marriage like uh, you know still things to go but but like really tangible things that were already happening just yeah wow hmm. Uh, was that mine or yours? Go for it. What does it mean for you to be in your power? Mm. Um, for me, I think the source of my power is my incredible ability to improvise. To I got a broad skill set and to see what's going on around me and to make snap decisions that feel right to go with my gut instinct on that when I when I'm doing that I'm really in my power and I had an example of that this uh, about a week and a half ago when I got us set up my, my wife and I set up for our vaccination there was a whole bunch of things that I just handled I just sorted like one after the next after the next and I was just clear that I was making decisions making decisions making decisions and using the tools that I had at the ready mm-hmm. uh, that for me is when I'm in my power mm-hmm. Power, when, when I'm in my power, there is a sense of flow. Mm. There's a sense of yeah. things just working intuitively and magically. And to, to be in that space, you can be so productive and so skillfully um, engaging someone else. Um, and you know when you're not in your power as well when things are blocked up when there's monkeys in your head when there's barriers everywhere you go so to get to that point of flow and confidence and just see things working so well in your life it's an extraordinary experience and that's what you start to work on when you chip away at all these things that are dragging you down in your life when you listen too much to those monkeys in your head you will get dragged down and to get those out of your head you can achieve this amazing brilliance and be so present to the world it Mm. is a phenomenal experience i've had some of the most brilliant points in my life in the last two years since i got involved with this work Mm. um, by finding that flow and that that power and that energy Mm. amazing experience cool Drum roll. <clears throat> Watson, what does it mean to listen? What are ways to do this well? You answer that one first because you pulled it. Sure. And I'll listen. Listening is a really... That's awesome. Anyway, so... It's right there. <laughs> That's going to stay in. Go ahead. <laughs> cool story, bro. Anyway, enough about you. What did you think of my last film? So listening is one of the key parts of this work. To listen authentically, you need to get out of your own head. Mm. Don't anticipate what is the next thing that you're going to say that's so brilliant to fill in the gap, but actually hear what the other person is saying. This can be a man on your team. This can be your 17-year-old. This can be your spouse, your girlfriend, your father. 
And to have someone truly listen to you is an extraordinary experience. To reflect back to them what you've heard, to see a vision coming out of them that helps them get clearer on what they want to do and what they want to say. It is powerful. To be a true, authentic listener creates connections and a web of energy among people that you can't get without it. Yeah. And uh, it really is the cornerstone of the work. And I think for a lot of people, it's an acquired skill. It certainly was for me. <clears throat> Being an actor, I have no problem coming in and filling the space with me. Uh, but to actually listen, really great actors are are great listeners. And it's something that I, I constantly need to work on. Um, it's something that I've invited into my marriage uh, probably a few years before I got into men's work. I would do a thing called dialogue with my wife, which really shifted things, like a massive shift in the relationship. Uh, and I've helped, uh, she and I have actually helped some of the other men uh, and, and their wives with that specific activity. And the other thing that I got from some other work that we've done was just the idea that when you're listening, that you're actually over there with him listening to the man, not listening to yourself listening, which is kind of a weird distinction that a lot of times we're like, oh, cool. Yeah, no, I've got a thought about that. Oh, here's what I would do. Okay, I'm just going to store it, but here's some great advice that I'm going to give you in a second. Oh, yeah, right. I had that experience. As opposed to just actually being with him and really resonating with him. It is a huge shift in that energy. And I remember having that experience that when I said yes to doing the men's work, a friend of mine had just said, hey, there's this cool weekend. I'm like, yeah, sure, great. Ready to go. And my first experience was the send-off, which was literally like four days before we were leaving. And there were about a hundred, more than a hundred men and this huge roaring fire and we're at this park in Toronto. And more than a hundred men who were absolutely silent, all focused while one man talked. Like, where the hell does that happen? There's usually guys jostling around, eh, you know, whatever, and just like chit-chatting on the side. And it's like, no, everyone was absolutely laser-focused. And the power of that was phenomenal. Like just crazy to see it in that such a large group. It's very honoring mm. to be heard for what you're saying, and it allows you to be more impeccable with your word because you know every word is valuable. Yes, bingo. Da -da -da -da. Discuss integrity and its meaning in your life. Okay, well, I'll jump on that one first. Uh, this is a good one for me to start off with because I would say I, I think I lacked integrity. Uh, in my life before I would I would hazard to say that earlier on I enjoyed you know I, well part of part of that was me and my power was was improvising and I could improvise all the time but perhaps to the extent where it's like eh, don't tie me down like kind of a Peter Pan I don't want to grow up um, and so if I said I was going to do something it's like yeah you know I'll kind of do it when it suits me or you know whatever it's not that big a deal you know, uh, a lot of stuff I would cover, a lot of stuff I could do just with sheer energy. But did I have, was I impeccable? Did I always have integrity? Did I always clean up stuff that was broke, that I left broken? No. And so I would say that in certain areas of my life, I, I probably lacked integrity. And the men's work has been a real point of going, don't kid yourself, man, that there is a fucking cost to that. You can kind of go, yeah, 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 it's just a small thing. It was a while ago. It's like, yeah, like you, you don't apologize to someone 
to make it okay for them. You don't go and clean the thing up so that they like you better. You go to clean it up because you're out of integrity. And if your life is like that, it's literally like having a three-legged stool where one of the legs is about to break. Uh, it lacks integrity. And oftentimes integrity is mistaken for moral, have moral fortitude. It's not. It's literally not workable. There's br something broken. It's like you broke a glass, and then you're like, mm, I'm just going to sweep that over here and then put it over. You haven't, it doesn't, the, the broken glass doesn't stop existing. You've just pushed it under the sofa now, and at some point someone might stick their hand under there or put a foot under. They're going to get cut. And part of you is always going to know that there was that broken glass. So you clean it up. You literally clean up your mess and make sure that it's impeccable so that then that part of your brain isn't constantly jonesing on, yeah, but I kind of, you know, wasn't, it lacked integrity. So that, that's an improvement for me, I think. Thank you. Um, yeah, integrity for me is uh, doing what you said you were going to do and doing it well. And to, to uh, not only do what you said you were going to do, but do what your life purpose leads you to do. Um, so to live consistently with your values, to honor your word, to uh, keep uh, keep in uh, keep up the commitments that you have made it makes your life so much easier when you are in integrity and you know when you're out of integrity because something just feels uncomfortable you've messed up on something you've not followed through on something you promised you would do you've left some something dangling and you know it's uncomfortable and it's making you feel um, awkward and it will make you act awkward also. Mm -hmm. So to live in integrity is fantastic. And to do a good cleanup is really powerful as well. If you've messed up something, to go to that person who's been impacted by it and truly apologize and to make amends in such a way that they know you are trying to get back into integrity is really Leave important. them better than you found them. Leave them better than you found them. Winston Churchill apparently once said, the, the worst thing about an apology is coming up with a terrible excuse after it. <laughs> Just say the apology and be clear on it yeah. and then move on and don't do it again. And yeah. stay in integrity in the future. And that's it. And, and the men's team especially will, will hold you to that. Like, you know... Don't just keep apologizing and doing the same stuff all over again. Like, what are you going to shift in your life so that you actually improve that? The other thing that occurred to me about integrity is also starting to recognize that, like, that you're living and doing the things that are that are actually in a, aligned with your value system. And, and where this really came up, it was amazing because my my electric car here, I had gotten, I had reserved really really early. And just before I did the men's weekend, they're like, guess what, you know, your car is going to be ready and, and, and you can book the date. And I'm like, oh, it was a lot more expensive than I originally planned and that I originally put in the space with my wife. And the man who was my sponsor, I'm just like, oh, I'm kind of mind fucking it. I just, and he's like, hey, man, every cowboy needs his horse, you know, and I'm like, ah, there's no arguing with that. It's hilarious. And what, what I, I ended up going for it again, it was one of those kind of fuck it things. It was like, don't, don't let the monkeys chatter about it. 
What I hadn't counted on was the extent to which it had always been a value system of mine to care about the environment, to live in a way that actually expresses that. And what I wasn't aware of was once I got it that I felt I was actually sitting in integrity with one of my values. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, and that I had always had. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's a nice idea. It's kind of a pipe dream. It's in the future. That's for rich people. And it was a stretch, but it was like, it was a stretch. I hadn't counted on the extent to which being in integrity with that value of mine actually was a thing. Hmm. Had a tangible effect. Yeah. What does mask down mean to you? Describe some experiences with mm. being masked down. Okay. Um, being masked down means allowing yourself to not look good. I'll admit that's a challenge for me. I think one of my interesting challenges is having a good mask down mask. Uh, so to really feel like I'm in, I, I need to feel like I'm in a trusted container. I need to feel like um, you know, looking bad is actually looking good. Like that you actually, <laughs> that that it's of value, not only to me, but it's really of value to the men around me, that they see my humanity, that they don't, that I give up whatever Watson's meant to look like. Hmm. Uh, and that what I then gain with that is that to be really masked down is to be completely with and completely honest with what is fucking so in your life. And as soon as you're completely honestly with where you're at, then a realm of things become possible that weren't before. Because when you're not masked down, when you're, then you're still hiding something, you're still surviving something, and if you're still surviving it or trying to hide it, it's running you. It's still running you in the background. And as soon as you can be really masked down, nine times out of ten with all men, the first response is to start laughing their ass off. They start laughing at themselves because they go, I'm ridiculous, I'm a jerk, you know? And then something becomes possible. Hmm. And that's certainly been the case for me. We create these masks in our lives because we're, we're threatened by the world around us and we need to keep, we need to keep a front to show the society around us that we are functional and we're working as as well as we can but the masks themselves become a barrier to honest relationship mm. um, the mask we we take to work is important your your colleagues and your clients they need to see you in, in a certain way the mask you take to your social event is another sort of um, it's a way of presenting yourself, but it's also potentially a false way. So to take those down and say, this is the true me right now, and I've got some stuff that i got to bring to this place, and I need to talk about it openly, and I'm not going to look good, and I'm going to be honest with you about what is, what, what are my burdens. And uh, it's an amazingly powerful thing to, to get there and uh, for the men to know that you are being fully honest with them and with yourself about about issues it's the only way to start to crack the lid on on the challenges that you're facing in your life mm -hmm. well and you touched on something I just want to loop back on that as well is that we talk a lot about being masked down around the circle but that in fact there is nothing wrong with having several masks like it's appropriate for me as a teacher I, I can't show up in a classroom with a bunch of 15-year-olds 
the way I would around a circle. It would be completely inappropriate. So there is, there's a mask of sort of an avuncular, you know, decent gentleman who's looking after their best interests and so on. It's a, it's a version of myself. Hopefully it still has integrity. Hopefully it's still in alignment with who I am. But it's, it's a, it, there is a mask. There's something that's held back. And that's okay because I'm in a working environment. And, and you know, you don't, get, you don't get to just keep shooting from the hip. Yeah. You know, there's a, a time and a place for that. So there are some men who we come across who actually struggle with appropriate masks and, and knowing how to show up with uh, a strong container themselves yeah. as they go out into the world. And that, that's their work. Yeah. Yeah. Dum, 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 dum. Watson, what happens when you feel doubt? How do you deal with it? Doubt happens to all of us. Doubt happens every day. Multiple, multiple times a day. And the doubt that is the worst and the most challenging is the doubt from our inner monkeys that when they overtake us. Um, so when you're in doubt, you it's the exact opposite of being in your power. You, you don't know how to act, you don't know how to take the next step, you're unsure, and you wither mm. on the vine. So to recognize when you're in doubt, and to recognize that those monkeys have a, are having a huge influence over you and affecting your actions, um, that moment when you recognize that is, is amazingly powerful, because then you can be in control of that. You have the choice to allow the doubt to overcome you or to get back in your power and, and seize the situation that's in front of you. Mm. I can certainly say I feel, I've felt a lot less doubt uh, since getting involved in the men's work as well. Just realizing that that was even a thing. Like a lot of times you don't even know. You're just kind of like, well, I'm just thinking a lot about it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm being circumspect. You know, it's like, no, you're stuck in doubt, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say, I think when I've been at my best points in my youth, you know, I probably didn't sit in doubt a lot. Uh, I think more of it started creeping in, being, having a longer term marriage, dealing with having kids and stuff. For me, for whatever reason, that was, there was some heaviness to that. Um, that's probably where more of the doubts started coming in. Being married to a very powerful woman who pushed a lot uh, and me not knowing initially how to show up in that, how to show up with a strong masculine container for that, and mm. still loving, but, but, but really present. That allowed me to get into a state of doubt, I think. Mm. And what I got here was just the clarity of going, you know, if ever you're in doubt, it's not a place that you want to be in. And like, do you want to make wise decisions? Sure. Do you want to seek counsel? Absolutely and then make your decision and move on and and then if you need to recalibrate take a look at what's happened make a new decision but to kind of sit there and circle and circle is there's nothing in that for you and i recognize that i had i think at, at sometimes gotten to that place and there there's nothing wrong with doubt mm. if you don't have doubts in your life you're probably verging on pathological right um, doubt is is your moral Narcissistic compass. Narcissistic personal disorder. Doubt is your is your moral compass um, flagging you that there there may be concerns about mm. something, mm -hmm. and then you need to figure out what what are your values, what what is leading you, how are you going to make a decision about this, 
but don't sit in the doubt. Get counsel from someone you trust. Get counsel from yourself. Uh, get clear on what your true north is. That's where the inspections decide. come in that you were talking about. Like, that's a great place to go, mm, you know, I really love this woman, but there's these concerns, you know. Should I marry or shouldn't I? I don't know. You know, there's no kids involved yet, so I can walk away, you know. I'm, I'm having doubts. It's like, that's great. It's re I'm really glad you mm -hmm. had doubts because now bring it to the men and let's, let's take a look at that. Let's see what's mm -hmm. in your blind spot because we might be saving you and her a whole world of pain, you know. Uh, or maybe something's been running you since your youth and maybe she's golden, maybe she's exactly the right woman for you, but you're being run by some old programming that is constantly screwing you up, so. Last one, one look at last question. Look at that. What is your image of being a good partner or spouse? Okay. Um... Well, Jane and I are coming up on 26 years right now. Um, I feel like I'm a good husband. I feel like I give uh, a real, I put in a great effort where that's concerned. And um, I listen to her. I'm constantly, you know, we're both really strong personalities. And when we would run up against each other, we would kind of clash or we'd get stuck in like things would get knotted and we just couldn't unknot them. I just didn't take no for an answer. Like there wasn't, I wasn't going to just leave and go, hey, what are you going to do? You know, I guess she's just, she's crazy. It's like, no, we, we obviously are having a problem here. So I would constantly look for, you know, solutions. And certainly with the men's work, like there's some amazing tools that, that help you show up. Um, and wow, like, especially the last year or so, like I've been with the men's work for almost three years and the last year there's been such a tangible shift ironically mm -hmm. ironically the stronger i feel in myself and the less i feel like i have to feel what she's feeling or the less i have to deal with her feelings or manage them i'm ironically more loving towards it we have more love in in, in the space when i'm able to give her the space to go hey you're experiencing exactly what you're experiencing and I'm not going to manage that or try to have an opinion on it or whatever, just to be present with her. And that, that's been huge. Hmm. My marriage is now 23 years in, and it's been absolutely amazing. And it's gotten just incredibly uh, loving and more stable in the last few years. Um, my wife is my life partner and so to commit to that above all else has been really a powerful thing for me to do um, my partner is a huge source of ideas for me she is a uh, uh, probably the person who knows me best in when things are really getting challenging she can give me some very valuable advice and I am there for her as a rock and as a stabilizing force when I am in my best and able to be calm and I'm excellent listening for her. Our house goes so smoothly and so beautifully. Um, and so my, my job is to do a huge commitment to the relationship. We're each 100% responsible for the relationship. 
all the time. It's not a 50-50 where each have to really show up hugely well every day. And by committing, we create um, amazing possibilities. Uh, with the energy we have coming out of our marriage, we can contribute to dozens and dozens of amazing things going on around us. And it's, it's so powerful. So um, uh, being a good, uh, a good man is uh, being the rock of, and foundation of, of the relationship. And uh, my wife really shows up when, when I'm at my best. The other thing that I just wanted to add to that, and I got this, I mean, I've gotten it time and time again, but even more so recently, and, and Jane would actually agree with that, is that the last thing a woman really wants you to do also is for you to come to her and say, can you tell me what kind of husband you want me to be? Like, and then I'll be that for you. <laughs> You're kind of like, if I have to tell you how you're meant to show up, like you've already lost it. And so ironically, in order to show up as the best husband for the woman in your life, go to your men, men who are solid, men who've got your back, who understand what that's about, who will help you set yourself up powerfully, both powerful and present at the same time. And ironically, that's actually what she wants, is not, you know, let let her give you a whole laundry list of how you're expected to show up and then you comply <laughs> you know like that that to me has been a really uh, yeah amazing and interesting part of it well Watson that's all of our questions that's all of our questions we burned through everything uh, we thought we were maybe just going to do a few of them but oh well you got some cutting to do there Andrews. here we are chin chin before din din it's a go. wrap it's a wrap Thanks, man. Peace out. <laughs> that was hilarious.